Here we go. Today is Sunday, October 11, 2020. And this is Chandra Purdue coming to you with my distinguished guest today, gospel music artist, Cheryl McWater Featherstone. We are on the Unfiltered with Cara Jones Unlimited LLC podcast. Coming to you from Houston, Texas and Birmingham, Alabama. How are you? I feel fabulous, Cara. How are you? I'm doing good, girl. You know my name is Chandra Purdue. What, Cara? Where I got Cara from? <laughs> gotcha. Cara yes. is actually the name of my performing arts company. Gotcha. Wow. LLC. Sorry. My name is Chandra Purdue. I am your sans, Delisha Purdue's older sister. Yes, I know that. <laughs> okay. okay. I know that. So I don't get offended when people call me Cara. I actually just take it as a nickname now because that's what most people in Alabama at least call me, and now other people are doing. Well, listen, I thought I thought it was Chandra, and then when I saw Facebook, Facebook, I said, "Oh wow, I've been calling her the wrong name." So. Right, right. <laughs> Yeah, so then I self-corrected to Cara, and you're telling me that's not it. <laughs> so I was right all along. No, no. My name is Chandra Purdue, gotcha. is what my parents named me. And yeah. I just, you know, set up, when I, I joined Facebook in 2015, I believe it was um, a year or a few months before I um, established the Performing Arts gotcha. Company. I just used that alias Cara Jones because for four years I did market research under that name. And so as I began to meet people, they were like, do you have a Facebook? And I was like, yeah, a car job. So there we have. Gotcha. So tell me, tell me. Now you are in Birmingham, right? Yes, I'm in Birmingham. Are you a native of Birmingham, Alabama? Well, I'm a native of Montgomery, Alabama. I was born and raised and, you know, I went to Alabama State University. I actually grew up around the street from Alabama State University. And, uh, <laughs> it, it, it was amazing, you know, growing up because I would be able to go to school and tell people what the band was going to play for homecoming because we could hear it. Yeah. <laughs> we could hear the whole show from our house. <laughs> right, right. And so, but yes, a native of Montgomery, Alabama. And then about 20 years ago, um, I moved to Birmingham, you know, my job. Okay. Now, are you an educator, right? Yes. I tell people I'm an educator by day. Okay. <laughs> And I'm a gospel artist, um, well, most weekends. <laughs> okay, awesome, yeah. awesome. So what are you, are you a teacher and are you an educational administrator? Well, I am, I was a principal for 10 years and then about 10 years ago, they moved me to central office. So now I'm over um, what we call RTI. Okay. It's response to intervention or in Alabama, we call it response instruction really like a failure prevention program. Okay. And it's where we hold teachers accountable and make sure they're actually trying to help students, not just let them sit there and fail, you know? And um, so I'm over that. And I'm also over the GED program. Okay. And um, for, in the name of my school district is Department of Youth Services. So I work with incarcerated youth and this is my 26th year. <laughs> yes. 26th year? 26th year. Wow. Yes. Are you ready to retire? Oh, yeah. Uh, 
I, but I have a 16 year old, my baby just turned 16. And um, I said, you know, I got to at least wait until he graduates high school or maybe even college before I stop working. Um, gotcha. Unless, unless something else happens. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, that's really awesome. You know, um, we come from a family of academians and educators. My mom is retired principal. And oh, yeah. she taught math for many years before she went into administration. And I have several other relatives. Actually, they all come from Alabama because their name hmm. is Alabama. That's where we, you know, get that linkage. Okay. But um, I'm very happy to hear that because I am an advocate for higher education. Yes. And so, you know, I learned of you, of course, through Facebook. Mm -hmm. My sister got too many sands for me to ever try to know all of y'all. It's too I know. <laughs> the line was, I remember when y'all were pledging, and the line was like 100-something ladies. Yeah, 38, and actually. <laughs> how many was it? 38. Wow, that's yes. crazy. Well, I'm glad you made it. You crossed the burning sands. The Delta that's right. Delta Incorporated. <laughs> but I wanted to find out when exactly did you start singing gospel? Oh, wow. Um, so I think my first public solo, I was probably about, I'm guessing, maybe seven or eight. Wow. Yeah. My father was a pastor. So you can just imagine. Uh, <laughs> and he was a pastor. This is a funny story. He was a pastor of a very small congregation. Okay. And so um, it was four of us, four children in the house. And so we served in the ministry. And so <laughs> people have been saying, well, she's been a praise and worship leader since she was about seven, eight years old. Because, you know, I would sometimes have to, you know, lead praise and worship. And uh, my brothers were ushers. We were just doing whatever was needed, you know, in the right. church. My, my father had a very small congregation, and they were mostly, um, you know, elderly people who lived on the street where his church was right. and family members. So I've been, you know, been serving in church and ministry a very long time. And okay. So, yeah. so, you know, I understand I'm a PK, too. The leadership yeah. PKs. Our dad was not a pastor, but he was a preacher ordained now. Right. I'm a 19 in Greenville. So we are children of the cloth. We understand all of that working in the church. That's actually where I first started playing piano. That would be um, this listening to the radio at home, gospel music, mostly the Hawkins, you know, and other yes. uh, artists back then, um, Shirley Caesar, James, mm. all them, you know, the old ones. Yes. Uh, I would play by ear and then yes. music. And then I started playing in the church. And wow. I came to love the Hammond B3 organ. The organ is my preferred instrument when we come. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I've always wanted to play. Also, but I love the organ. The sound of the organ and the pedals and all. That's that hammer. Yes, I love it's it. It's just something about, you know, that's when you know you're in church to me. Yes. <laughs> up. We yeah, have, that's that one instrument. Say it again. I say that's that one instrument that'll let you know you are definitely in the house. Yes, you in the house. Yeah. Now, you know, it's not the <laughs> gospel going on. So, you know, you, you grew up in the church, and so you, you have that foundation, you know, with Christianity and gospel music, of course. But as you uh, mature through life, 
yes. through your adolescence, through your adult years, when did you realize or come to um, understand that you had a passion to sing gospel music? Um, well, you know, let's see. I, I started entering competitions. I uh -oh. did, I, yeah, I did Omega Sci-Fi Talent Hunt in my ninth grade year. Okay. And um, I won. Good. And yeah, um, for the, the local area. And then we had to go on and compete for state, for the state level, and then for their regionals. They chose, I think, the top three. And, um, you know, I guess winning and placing in a lot of you know, some others, I felt like, okay, well, and I, I enjoyed the auditions. Like, I liked the competition part of it. But I wasn't singing, you know, per se gospel then. I was doing inspirational songs. Okay. Um, my song of choice back then that I called, my, we called it competition songs, my competition song. Because <laughs> all the vocalists around Montgomery, we kind of knew each other. And, you know, we competed against each other all the time. And so I was known for Everything Must Change. You remember that song? Oh, yes, I love yeah. it. Yeah. So I just, I've never been a soprano. I can kind of hit notes, but I have to come right back down. Oh, wow. And so I just liked my lower register, you know, uh -huh. the alto sound. Like I love Alita Adams. You remember her? Yeah. Girl, yeah. stop it. You yeah. better stop because so I Alita love those rich. Mama. I yeah. play her on Spotify <laughs> every day. Yeah. So, because you know, there are a lot of sopranos and I love them. But then when you get that rich alto mezzo soprano, you know, sound, and especially from a woman, man. Oh, man. Yeah, so I enjoyed singing that song. Um, and then we kind of, you know, worked the end and made it gospel at the end. But yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah. So I think I would say, you asked me when, I would say ninth grade, my ninth grade year in high school. And then I auditioned for, yes, I auditioned for, uh, um, high school performing arts high school and got in and man it from there it just ballooned i just knew i loved it where did you audition for a performing arts high school in montgomery? Well, montgomery montgomery had a program called carver creative and performing arts center and it was located at carver high school really? but they had this magnet program for performing arts students and they had i was in show choir and they only permitted 20 five people were alternates and you know very few um lead singers and i was one of the lead singers yeah. and uh, yeah and so we would sing and dance which okay. i wasn't great you know they would kind of position me so i wouldn't have to do the real difficult steps <laughs> uh-huh wow yeah amazing and so yes we would compete do you remember atlanta showbiz kid well no you know i'm a california girl that's I right that's right alabama till i was 45. Well, we, we would travel, um, the performing arts school I attended, the show choir, we would, we would travel and compete against other show choirs. So we competed against showbiz kids, uh, sh the sh Atlanta showbiz kids. They were famous. And we okay. beat them one time. <laughs> and that was, <laughs> that was so exciting because they were just kind of, you know, well-known. They were in commercials and everything. Wonderful. Yes, yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't have seen that on the West Coast because it was like more um, regional, I guess, you know, yeah. and at, with Georgia and um, Alabama being contiguous states next door adjacent to each other. We, mm -hmm. I, I never heard of that. So thank you for educating yeah. me about <laughs> it. But, you know, it's interesting because a lot of um, music artists and other 
performing arts participants started their careers with, as you say, these um, audition stage platforms. Yeah. And they started like gospel, most of them, as we know, started in the church. But then I've heard a lot of them talk about these various, you know, um, stage platforms. One of my friends in Montgomery right now, Tanisha Washington, I'm so proud of her. She started Voices of the Future. VOTF, I think it was in 2016 or 17, 2017. And it gives the young people um, in Montgomery and surrounding areas an opportunity to showcase their talents. Most okay. of them, you know, um, perform singing, live entertainment, and or, you know, actually some of them, I think they have done so a little bit of acting, but most of them sing. And just mm -hmm. like you, that's how a lot of people get their start. Yeah. When did you transition into professional singing? Okay, so technically I started singing for weddings um, when I was a teenager. Really, I actually started in performing arts school. It was a, about um, three or four of us around the city in, in the show choir. And one of the guys, he would, he would play and he sang. We called him, I mean, he sounded like Brian McKnight, like... The, Wow. Before Brian McKnight came out. And so um, so we started doing weddings and we just charged a little bit. And the man, it just kind of ballooned. Yeah. And yeah, we started having, we had weddings every weekend growing up. And that was, you know, Wonderful. how I made money on the side as a teenager. Um, and sometimes I recall having like, like two weddings. We would book two weddings on one Saturday. Because somebody had one early, like one, somebody else at four. <laughs> Right, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. So you know, professionally and technically, you know, professionally means you're getting paid for it. But right. um, I think the question you're really asking me is when did I get really serious about it? Um, and I must say, it was wasn't until 2009. I went to Sunday Best, um, the Atlanta auditions. Yeah. And um, from what I understand, there were like 3,000 people auditioning, and I was one of the last. 12 standing and of the 12 of us there were six alternates and there were six who actually made the cut from the atlanta audition and um they show my <laughs> they show my audition and you see that i made it it was the year that um mary mary both mary's um yeah. erica and tina were on and bb weiner yeah the judges that year. yeah and kirk franklin um I think yeah. Always yeah and so um, they were the judges and I made the cut. And at the end of everything, the producers came to me and they were like, you know, among everybody who's made it, you know, you are like the only person who has a real job per se or career. I was a school principal. And so they, was, they told me that I needed to take a leave of absence from my job for like eight weeks. And I was like, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what I thought, you know, going into the competition. I don't know what I, you know, what I thought. I got the Okay. It said my battery is running low. I didn't have it stuck in there. I'm sorry. Just plug it in. But, yeah. <laughs> I just didn't have it stuck all the way. And so I don't, I don't, I didn't anticipate, um, I didn't anticipate what was, you know, beyond if I'm chosen, chosen. Mm -hmm. And so um, I don't know if you recall, but the year, I, I'll just tell you, the year 2008, 2009, there were a lot of budget cuts in education. That yes. Year. 
And so I was very fearful of asking my supervisor, my superintendent, um, can I take a leave of absence for two, for like eight weeks? Right. <laughs> and I'll just tape a show. And I know they were trying to save money because um, as a principal, they had already told me at the December board meeting that I had to start thinking of who among my, who on my faculty I was going to get rid of because of these budget cuts. So I was like, yeah, I'm not going to ask him. <laughs> wow. Wow. So I don't know how far I would have gone, but I met some amazing people, and um, we've kept in touch. Okay, so we're going we to rewind a little bit. <laughs> so you won Sunday Best. You were selected as the winner. No, right. I, from the Atlanta auditions. From the Atlanta auditions. Yes, but, they were like, right. But you were not able to go forward because... To take the show. To continue to take Yes. Oh my God. I know. I the remember emotions, my passion. I mean, you know, I'm a, I'm a counselor now, so I, I have to ask, how did you feel when you made that decision, knowing that you really wanted to sing professionally? Um, well, this is what I thought about first. I felt like a mother being cautious. I was a single mom, newly single mom. Okay. And um you know, the paycheck as an educator was consistent, it was stable. I didn't know what that would do, you know, how, where I would go with that. And I remember my pastor telling me, oh, ye of little faith. He said little I faith. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> but the good thing about it, um, you know, when you're, when you, when you do Sunday best, and I, I just tell you, the first day, it's a two-day thing if you make it, you know, beyond because they they would they start cutting us it was they said it was three thousand in line wow they started cutting us like you know 100 at first and then it got down to 30 at a time and but you audition you sing before a lot of people before you get to see mary mary and bb whining and you know and and yolanda and all those folks right you have to audition you have to audition for you know other people people in music around the city that they've gotten to be judges and they push you through, okay, you go to the next level. They had us in a hotel, so each time you had to go to another floor, mm. that means you made it <laughs> to wow. another level. And so uh, we didn't get to see, that was an all-day competition. Um, I started that Saturday morning. Um, by the time, by Saturday night, about 10, um, there were still like, a, like 90 of us left. And wow. so they had to get wow. it down. So when we came back that Sunday morning and you had to wear the same thing that you had on the day before, because they wanted it to look like one full day, right? So okay. if you made it, you had to go. <laughs> and I wasn't prepared for that. Thank God my sister lives in Atlanta. I was able to wash my clothes, you know, yeah. <laughs> put them back yeah, on. Yeah, refresh. Yeah, because it was going to be like a turnaround dates trip for me. You can go up there and come right back, you know? Right. And so I had to go back that Sunday, and um, they just kept getting it down 30 at a time. And, uh, yeah, it was amazing. By the time they got, actually, that, that 90, I, you would hear people warming up because we had to be back so early that morning. You could hear people run, warming up. And I remember hearing this girl, she could scat. Like, she was scatting. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, everybody in that room at that point could flat out sing. The only thing that um, they said that they liked about me was that um, I'm not a screamer when I sing. Good. And they kept saying it was real smooth Good. and they liked my tone. And so I said, I'm just going to work that. I'm going to work what they like. Every right. judge just said the same thing. 
And so, um, yeah, you had to choose. They had a list of songs we had to choose from. You couldn't just come with your own song. You had to look on the list and see what I just, you know, looked on the list to see what I knew. And it was um, Jesus Loves Me. <laughs> yeah. And so it was a very fun experience. The first time I sang it before, um, the first time I sang it before Mary Mary and B.B. Winan, I sang it the same way I had been singing it for the previous judges the previous day. And so um, I found out that B.B. Um, Winan, not really crazy about riffs, you know, he mm. calls it vocal gymnastics. He said, okay. now do all of that over again without all of the okay. vocal gymnastics. Just sing. And I was able to do that on the spot. So it was a, just a great experience, I will say. Well, you know, that's such a wonderful experience that you had. Um, young people, inspired, you know, aspiring artists, so many of them seek out that type of opportunity. I know a few. I don't know any who've gone to Sunday Best. I know a few who've gone to The Voice, some who made it. And um, I actually have friends um, that I've interviewed on this podcast um, who are actually producing music for winners of The Voice. Oh, wow. Right in Montgomery, Alabama. Yes. And you know, it's just, to be able to even make it to that type of a platform, yeah, like you said, it was a two-day experience, right? Comp competition, I should say. And, and right, and I want to add that you were—I was meeting producers all along the way, like they were everywhere. And I ended up—I um, didn't—I—I I didn't sign, but I begun—I had begun work on a project that never got released. But I mean, I started getting the experience in the studio and building since then. So, yeah. yeah. So what I'm hearing is that you actually um, have the opportunity to network. Yes, a lot. Because, uh, you know, producers hang around shows like that. They let them in, you know, they want them to meet us. So even if you don't actually win, then, hey, you still get great opportunities. Yes, yes. And that's what I try to tell um, people that I meet in, you know, um, everyday life. Yeah. I'm a big network person. I am a network and it's like my parents taught us growing up they would always tell me from a young age Chandra you don't meet strangers but I try to encourage people to it's not that you're looking for friends but whomever God brings into your space wherever he allows your feet to go and your eyes to meet my parents taught me they don't do it a lot in Alabama, I learned, living there nine years. But when your eyes meet people, what we're taught coming from the West Coast is you speak. Yeah. You know, and just speaking can open a lot of doors where I come from. True, true. And so I try to share that with people. So you, you passed up the opportunity to go yeah. forward on Sunday best, yeah. but you, you went back to Birmingham mm -hmm. to your career, your family. Yes. And what did you do next? Well, I was an educator. I mean, you know, I just, um, and again, I had met some producers. So I did start my very first project. It did not get released. Mm -hmm. um, the company kind of folded before that happened. Um, but, oh man, I love that song <laughs> that they were going to release. It never got released. And, wow. Um, but, I mean, I was able to meet others. And right. I finally released um, 
my first album in 2016. And what year was it there? I, 2016. But um, during that time frame, that. yeah, during that time frame um, from 2009 from Sunday Best, that's when I, I will say Sunday Best was probably the time I got serious and said, let me pursue this. And I was thinking at the time, maybe a second career, you know, pursuit, because I knew I, I was, you know, nearing like 20 years at the time on my job. So I said, let's, let's just start, you know, getting out there. So I started getting booked to just sing and do covers because I didn't have any, um, you know, original music. So I was, I was the person, you know, got called for, um, you know, church programs, Women's Day, all of that stuff. So I was getting booked pretty regularly for that and finally released my own music in 2016. Okay. Well, I'm listening to some of your music right now. That's why you see me bopping a little bit. Gotcha. <laughs> Can you hear that? Yes. <laughs> yes. So, blessed assurance, we all know that song. Yes. But you put a contemporary spin on that with a little gas too. Yeah. You know, Bishop Walter Hawkins was my pastor for 26 years. Oh, wow. And so, contemporary gospel, I heard it every Sunday along with the apostolic, um, traditional gospel, all of it, right? Right. But this right here is very um, for the time. Praise God. Very much for this time. And you have a beautiful, lovely voice. Thank you. You actually sound like a contralto. Uh, yeah, well, okay. <laughs> I've you never been a soprano. You can hit, you're at that second soprano, aren't you? Yeah, yes, but I've never been a soprano. Like, I've never had the opportunity to sing in the soprano section, even as a small kid. <laughs> I was just trying. I had kind of like a deep voice growing up, too, and so did my mom. Okay. And I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I actually, I'm a and my mama sings. My mama's been singing since she was a child. All of her nine siblings, they sang as well. Wow. family, children, um, growing up. But I sing alto, and my mama, she went from singing alto, I think after she had Delicia, her voice probably changed, and she could sing tenor. Yeah, I could sing tenor. Really? Yeah, actually, in the choirs I've been in, I, I go to the tenor section. Now, that, that is a reason for that. Um, <laughs> the hymn, the music, yeah, so the music directors who know me, they, they know I'm just being lazy. I'm just going to be honest. I'm, I'm being a lazy vocalist. But as a, um, when, you're, when you do lead vocals on songs, you have to kind of save, reserve your, your voice. So it's kind of hard to sing alto or soprano even, and then you got to get up there and lead a song. When I see people doing that, I'm thinking either she is up there uh, lip syncing 
or and then she comes down and does the lead part. <laughs> I'm serious. It's hard, you know. That's some hard singing if you're gonna do, you know, what you're asked to do. Right. And so, yeah. Um, but if yeah, that, you that's in the my choir, and I used to um, direct choirs. Mm -hmm. I would say you were being lazy. Yeah, and so they like no go to alto because yeah, most songs alto carry they they carry the um the the harmony. Yeah, and um and I hear okay, I guess, and so um yeah, but I love I love that sh that the tenor, you know, I like singing tenor. I like my lower register to be honest. <laughs> so this song right here, I fell in love with it. This is the line. Really? Yeah, it's low. <laughs> It's like I want to play. Yeah. So yes, he's one of those producers I met, you know. Um, and he said he he had a song he wanted me to do. Um, he I didn't couldn't say, hear you, love. What'd you say? Oh, I'm sorry. I said he's one of the producers that I met along the way, and um, he asked me to do that song. He had written a song, and he liked my he liked my voice, heard me sing, and liked okay. my voice. And I went over to Atlanta and laid it in one day, actually. Good. <laughs> Yeah. That's good if you can lay your track in a day. It's funny, I was talking to one of my friends on the East Coast and he was laying tracks one night with a, a young lady artist and she wanted to get it right on the first go round and yeah. we was both cracking up. I was like, really, how long has she been going to the studio? I know, like the only person I know who's done that is, um, you know, Aretha Franklin. I don't oh. know, I wanna, I wanna say it was respect. Um, that she she went in the studio. She sang it one time and said, "That's it." She told him, "Hey, that's it." And, that's um, it. Yeah. And maybe got, it was because we still walked out. R E S P C T. And I I think the song was respect. I may be wrong about the song, but she's the only person I know who did that. Wow. Now, I didn't do that. <laughs> wow. I didn't do that. I was there all day, you know, sing the song over and over. But what I normally do, if producers will allow it, um, if they will sing send me the song, let me learn it and marinate right. and kind of you know get to know the song some of them want you to learn it you know once you get there they don't want their music out you know right but those who will release it and let me hear it and you know and let me practice and I can practice you know exactly you know what I want to do with it and I go in there and kind of know what I want to do that's why we were able to do that one day so I'm no Aretha Franklin <laughs> thank you beautiful well you know we are in the month of October Yes. And um, October is um, significant mental health wise mm -hmm. um, for two prominent, you know, things or reasons. Right. And one of them is breast cancer. The other is domestic violence. Yes. Okay. And so as I reviewed your bio, as I, even before you send me your bio, um, had seen you post on Facebook. Yes. I saw that you um, ascribed to domestic violence. Yes. And so I was trying to understand your, the correlation there. Can you expound? Well, I am a domestic violence survivor. Praise um, God. Praise God. 
I walked out of an abusive marriage of three years, March 29th, 2006. And, um, and I remember leaving that day thinking, you know, no more. Mm -hmm. And I, those words were just on repeat in my mind. Um, I was walking, I didn't have a cell phone, I didn't have a wallet, just had my baby on my hip and God, I just meant that day was just it. And so um, I remember, I don't know who to this day, which neighbor called um, the police. He said, um, he put, the police drove up before I could get out of the subdivision. I don't know where I was going, just kind of out of my mind. I was willing to walk clean to Montgomery Bay, which is, right. mind you, I was living in Birmingham. And so the, um, the sheriff said, he said, we got a call that a lady is, you know, walking and she's, you know, with her baby and looks, you know, kind of distraught. I said, well, that, he said, that would probably be you. I said, well, yes. <laughs> I said, probably. And so he recognized me because again, I was the principal. Oh my and, God. Um, yeah. He recognized me because I was a school principal with incarcerated youth girls at mm -hmm. Chocolate Youth Facility. And so, um, and we would have to call upon them sometimes um, because the girls would. My God. Uh, yeah. The girls would, um, before we had a fence, the girls would, you know, take off running mm -hmm. from the lunch line. <laughs> That's a whole nother story. <laughs> and so we would have to call them because they, you know, they had the dogs and could go in the woods and, you know, help us. Wow, wow, wow. So he recognized me and he was like, you know, and he was like, you know, we keep getting these calls, you know, from this address. He said, you have got to, I said, let me tell you something. I said, today will be the last day you will ever come to my address for me again. And I meant that. And um, that has been the case and the truth. Um, I told him, I said, if you go back to the house with me, just give me a, just, if you would just sit there long enough for me to get enough things for me and my baby, I'll go home to Montgomery, to my mom. I said, I won't be back and you won't have to come back, nor will your colleague. And wow. so he, um, so I don't know um, if you know it, but whenever, whenever law enforcement get domestic violence calls, they send a lot of backup. They said that is yep. one of the most dangerous calls they get. Yep. And so, um, sure enough, I, I want to say, I'm, I'm kind of guessing, maybe like five or six um, sheriff cars were out there. And um, my ex had left the house at that point. And um, they went, walked through the house and make sure he wasn't in here anywhere. Uh, but wherever he left, he left on foot because um, he left his truck door ajar. So yeah. he must have seen, you know, seen the police and then seen just them coming. took off. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so they took off on foot and so they went through the house to make sure um you know he wasn't in here and so sure enough they sat out there and stayed until i got some things and um mind you i didn't have my wallet my um cell phone you know <laughs> um nothing but um and so they <laughs> they put gas in my car yeah and that's how i got home to montgomery but um, so they trailed me to the gas station and then they trailed me all the way um, to the intersection. Good. And, and I don't, you know, I had a Yukon back then. You know how mm -hmm. big that truck is, right? Mm -hmm. And 2006 was a year that gas went up like really crazy. <laughs> <laughs> One of those times. Gas to drive at 80 miles. Yeah, so they filled it up and I was sure. on E. And so, um, that tank was probably about six 
the seventy dollars. So I always, whenever I, you know, whenever I'm interviewed, I always say thank you, Jefferson County Sheriff Department. Thank you for that. Thank you, Jefferson <laughs> County Sheriff yeah, Department. They went well beyond. Yeah, they filled you up. I mean, because you had to go eighty miles, you know, about oh, yeah. about at least. Oh yeah. And you had a baby. Uh, I'm so glad that you are okay. Um, I've counseled previously women who were survivors like you of domestic violence. And I have had family members who were victims of domestic violence. And, you know, when a woman or a man, because I tell people that domestic violence survivors are not just women. Men, That's right suffer domestic violence in relationships as well, in the partner relationships. But when you make that decision to leave, when you have had enough, mm -hmm. enough is enough is enough. That's a major life-changing decision. Yeah, it is. And for you, you know, I want to ask you this. Mm -hmm. um, you don't have to answer this. <laughs> I'm not, I guess I am a little bit psychoanalyzing a little bit, but uh, hey, <laughs> I, I'm kind of curious, you know, because I, I shared on one of my, I think it was an Instagram um, lunch talk I did, or maybe it was a post, just a post. And I talked about masking, M-A-S-K-I-N-G, mm -hmm. and how we, people, every day, sometimes fall, find ourselves falling into the behavior called masking, putting on a face, yeah. pretending <laughs> that we are okay when actually we are not okay. Not, but right. like you probably did, did you? I'm asking. Did you have to put on a face to, after that abuse you experienced in your home, to go to work and be that principal? Yes. And you know what? I wasn't fooling anybody. I thought I was. I thought I was real good at it. But um, if you know anything about incarcerated youth, they are, they see things, they know. And um, it, a few years ago, I bumped into a former student. And she said, I saw your stuff on Facebook. She was like, she said, she said, you know, she said, everybody knew. I was like, really? She said, yeah, everybody knew. She said, you know, we grew up in that. And so they, they knew the signs, but they were, you know, people think of incarcerated youth as being these really mean, mm -hmm. awful people. They were so sweet. They didn't mention it. They just talked about me amongst themselves. Right. <laughs> yeah. And um, I felt like I was a pretty tough principal. You know, I didn't lower the stand up for anybody. <laughs> you don't look tough, Cheryl. You don't look so, like you would be tough. You look I didn't, I didn't, look, hey, but look, I was a principal in my late 20s i'm kind of i was young you know, and girl. i was like <laughs> i was i was young and was like hey try me if you want to <laughs> that person so um you know they would get mad at me a lot and i was like what well, they were saying nobody you know nobody's gonna say anything about that but you know that was kind of enlightening to hear a former student say yeah everybody knew like you weren't covering anything oh and I had a coworker who um, she had been a victim um, before, 
Mm-hmm. And I, uh, mind you, I was the youngest one in, my, in the building. I was the principal and the youngest one in the building wow. for a long time. Look and at so God. Look at God. Lord, praise God. And so the assistant principal, she asked me, um, she said, she just asked me straight up, are you being, being abused in your marriage? Wow. I was so angry. I was so mad at her. I'm like, she all in my business. <laughs> but now, you know what? Now as a survivor, I'm thinking, how how godly and bold was that for her to do that? She knew it. And a lot of survivors, we 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 know, we see it. You know, in the stores, I pass by women, they won't, you know, give you eye contact. Right. You know, um, oh man, it's just so many signs. And you know, talking to some of the other ladies um, who are part of the organization um, that I founded, they said, yeah, you know, you want to say something like, I know, at least I know what you're going through. You know, give them a card or something, but you can't, especially when they're with them. With the person. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, so yeah, we know. You mentioned that you started an organization, and I'm looking at this purple and orange um, yes. logo. 